honorable, the most honorable, the most honorable. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce Welcome to Anything is The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Network. We got a quad pod. Folks, we quad pod in it. I am your host, Jesus Sam J.M. Packard, joined by my <laughs> muscly brother uh, from The Athletic, away. Celtics beat reporter, Jay King. Looking good. We also have uh, another reigning Jay, John Corrales, Celtics beat reporter for MassLive.com. And from The Athletic, Wizards beat reporter. He's going to be with us to break down Thomas Bryant's amazing performance <laughs> in the last game in the bubble. Fred Katz, everyone. I feel like we're on um, Red Zone Channel. We got a quad box right now. It's uh, very exciting. Jay and I are not wearing sleeves. Um, and just people are, are excited. People are talking it's about shameful. it. shameful. You too. The dress, the dress code here, it's just shameful. It's summertime. Uh, there's no more uh, bubble game seating games left. People are excited. People want to see the muscles. And me and Jay are just in a relaxed environment. And you know what? You can't. You can't uh, shame us for that, but we're I here. I can, and I will. Oh, that's that is also fair. You can do whatever you want. It's a one of those free countries we talk about. But we are here. Like he's Jam looks like he's in a white man can jump reboot. Maybe I am in my own brain. Sometimes I am in the white man can't jump. I was shooting hoops earlier. I still can't jump. But we are here, fellas. We are doing one half of this podcast. We are going to be doing a look back on the Celtic season with a hyper focus on that last game because Fred is here to give us his Wizards expertise. And then on the Locked On Celtics pod, we'll be looking forward to the Celtics uh, series, upcoming series against the 76ers. So, begs the question, so far, from what's happened in the regular season, good or bad? Hold on, hold on. We got to start with the worst part of the regular season, which was the last game. Celtic <laughs> Wizards, the single biggest mockery of basketball I have seen all season. Hey, hey, Jay, you call it the single single biggest mockery of basketball you've seen all season? Really, this is a lesson in perspective because I thought, man, I'm watching the best basketball I've seen in months. <laughs> it was it was so bad. The, the Celtics and Wizards started four for 19 with nine turnovers between them. The Celtics sat all their guys. The Wizards just pumped the ball to Thomas Bryant when it mattered. It was electric. It was <laughs> high stakes. Not electric at all. We had the Celtics gunning for as many wins as they had last season and not quite getting there. It was fantastic. My favorite was the four-on-two fast break. That Four-on-two <laughs> should be like an automatic layup attempt. But you had three guys running down the court within like two feet of each other, and they just casually pull it out. Oh, I just set the offense. It was absolutely one of the worst things I've seen. My favorite was when Shemi Ojale tried to run a pick and roll. <laughs> hey, he's done that a couple of times. He's got a couple of assists off that pick and roll. That is true. Knocked but... down a step back today, too, his do, second of the seeding games. Do the Celtics have the most players in the league who who look like wrestlers? Oh, Between, really like, there. Carson Combat Edwards and, and Shemi. Yeah, I mean, you Grant throw Williams. Martin there, Grant Williams. Who else looks like a wrestler? Nova. Nobody else, yeah. Smart. You know, you know, you know Vinny, Vinny Sexpander. Ennis Cantor is a wrestler. Yeah, Ennis Cantor is a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Vin, Vin, Vinny Sexpants is like a wrestler name. 
The, <laughs> uh, too bad he's not very effective. The, the uh, it's like it's like a wrestler name of of a wrestler you're really nervous about. Vinny right? Vinny Sex Pants is like the <laughs> arrogant jobber, the guy that comes out and is just like so arrogant, but then just loses to everybody. Who was that wrestler who was like obsessed with sex? Was it Val Venus? Oh, his God. name rhymes with penis, so that makes sense. But I yeah. I don't was, know. Was it Val Venus? Like one of them was just like a sex freak. I, I can remember that. I think it was Val Venus. Yeah, that makes sense. Very, very forgettable Val Venus. But I remember that guy. I'm recently. I don't remember anything about wrestling. Well, Jay does that. I like Fred. I, I just want to. <laughs> That's how talk good this game was. What... Jay's going to search WWE. <laughs> talk about basketball. Fred, how painful was it to for these eight seeding games uh, to cover the Wizards and try to make it seem at all meaningful? Uh, I, 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 I didn't really try to make it seem at all meaningful. <laughs> Touche. Honesty is the best policy. <laughs> hey, my, my, my job is not to pump things up. It's to just say what's happening. And it wasn't, it wasn't meaningful. It was, a, it was a time of development. Didn't really matter that they went one and seven. It was good for their morale. They didn't go 0 and 8. I think if they went, because they lost all three exhibition games too. So if they came out of that thing losing 11 <laughs> straight, I just can't imagine you can feel that great about yourself no matter how well you played. So I think winning that game was good for them. But like, I didn't try to pump it up and make it seem like, oh, this is this is meaningful. I spent the entire fourth quarter of that game just tweeting update the Wizards are winning or update the Wizards are losing, depending on the score. I did appreciate that. And that was it. actually I didn't appreciate that because my stream was a little behind. And so you would tell me what happened slightly before. And so it was a little bit frustrating. But I appreciate the uh, commitment to the bit. I now, was this uh, is go I ahead, was go woge ahead. on the draft. I was woge on the drafting <laughs> the score of the game. Now, ostensibly, this is a Celtics podcast, and we're doing a full look back. And it feels like ages ago that uh, Jay, John, and I got together to try to predict every single game of the season. And you know what? If I, I just feel bad because I predicted global pandemic in December, and it's just like that one was a big miss. Well. Um, but <laughs> if we had to say, is this a, can we determine if this season is a success or not? Or does it entirely depend on, the, what happens to the Celtics in the playoffs? Are you surprised that the Celtics were able to get to 48 wins or be that much better than they were last year? Have they shed everything last year? What's the biggest storyline from this regular season um, from, I guess, from a Celtics perspective? We'll go with well, John. I, I realize I have to organize this more because there's yeah, way more yeah, voices. I'll, John, calling it out. Uh, I think I think this season is a success not necessarily by the numbers that they put up or the, the number of wins or anything like that. This season was a success based on how they bounced back from last year, which Brad Stevens actually said about, talked about uh, earlier today when he said that last year was a bit of a, you know, it was, it was like a trying year and this has been an invigorating year. I think coming off of that year and all of the stuff that happened with Kyrie to come into this season and to turn it around the way they did. I think the Kemba addition was huge. I think Gordon Hayward kind of returning from injury was huge. And the way those two guys kind of helped facilitate the rise of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum has been huge. The jumps that those guys took and, uh, you know, obviously those guys put in a ton of work to add elements to their games as well, but all of that stuff makes this season a success. Now, Obviously, if they lose to an undermanned Sixers team, that kind of changes the perspective a little bit. But I think the way these guys have played, the way they've grown, the way they've reacted to the adversity, 
makes this, I think, this has been a, a really, really good season for the Celtics. Everything went right. Basically. Everything, everything they needed to go right did. They got And how centers. often does that ever happen, Jay? Like, never, right? Especially after last season when everything went wrong. <laughs> it was literally every question mark you had about the Celtics, they answered in a positive manner. Can Kemba Walker fit in? Yep, sure can. Can Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown get back? Oh, my. Has Jay de- uh, departed us? Well, I'll take over where he left off. Uh, Jason, I think Jason Tatum uh, emerging like as – a star is kind of the biggest takeaway, but he's right. Pretty much there's only thing you would have to come like complain about as a Celtics fan. And the Celtics fans have done this a lot is that sometimes Ennis Cantor was very annoying and bad on defense. But as Jay was mentioning and Jay has come back to us, I was booted off the broadcast just when I was getting hot. Continue. <laughs> You're back on the broadcast. Let's hear, let's hear what you literally say. Everything went right. Kemba Walker, can he fit in? Yes, absolutely. J- Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, can they get their careers back on the promising track they showed when they were rookies and sophomores? Yes, absolutely. Jason Tatum especially took a major leap. Jalen Brown also took a major leap. Can Gordon Hayward be healthy again? Yes. Everything that went right for them, except for perfect health, did. And and I think it, like Brad said, it reinvigorated the Celtics and it answered a lot of questions about their future because if half those answers are no instead of yes, we're talking about this Celtics core a lot differently than we are today. Even the small stuff, man. Like like Daniel Tice was really good. You know, yeah. just even even the small things of like they didn't lose as much as they could have by not having Al Horford because Daniel Tice was really good for them this year. Like even that kind of stuff. I'm I'm really intrigued by their balance. Because everybody talks about them as like the next tier. You know, I think people talk about like Milwaukee and the two LA teams. And then and then they people say that they want to put Toronto in the tier of Milwaukee and the LA teams, but they always clarify it was like which you have to do because they're the champs, which kind of puts them in their own <laughs> tier because if they actually deserve to be there, and I, I actually think they do deserve to be there, not because they're the champs, but because they are really good. You wouldn't say it was because of the champs. You would say it because they're really good. So they kind of put the Celtics in that, like, if those three are in the the one tier and then there's, like, the one and a half tier with Toronto, I feel like people put the Celtics in that lower one. But the Celtics are top five in offense and defense. Good and sign. teams that are top five on both sides of the floor tend to do pretty well. Um, I, I think they could beat Toronto, right? I mean, I'm not – if they go on a series against each other, I would pick Toronto, I think. But they they could beat Toronto, and that balance is like kind of hard. You have to come up with a really good reason to have a team that's not nearly that balanced, to come up with a reason why a team that's not nearly that balanced is going to beat a team that's, I think, their third in offense and fourth in defense right now. Yeah. The thing the about offense- Tice is, is the huge part because – like before the season, I thought there's just no way they could ever like get anywhere in the playoffs. They could be a fine regular season team, but no matter what, they're going to be beaten by just any team with size. And they, Brad Stevens, who's kind of known more for his defense than his offense, managed to put together a defense that plays extremely fast, uh, a lot of scrambling, a lot of doubling, like a highly active defense that has shown to be effective at least during the regular season. We'll see what if they can do that during the playoffs, but. They basically went in with a strategy is like we don't have anyone who's uh, 
I would say is like a top tier star, at least beginning the season. Maybe Jason Tatum has evolved into that, but we have like four guys who could all be one A's and then the craziness that is Marcus Smart and then Daniel Tice. And so I think just the fact that they were able to kind of make that work and there were no problems with uh, shot distribution or um, just who's getting the most shots, like the fact that they were such like a harmonious team, I think is impressive. Uh, I think a lot of credit goes to Kemba for not being Kyrie, but uh, it's, I just think that, I mean, I'm saying all this, if they lose in the first round of the Sixers, complete abject failure of a season. But I think <laughs> if you talk to us at the start of the year, a kind of a first round exit to the Sixers would have been okay, given like all the kind of major developments that they all had. And I think the offense to me is, is really, really promising, not just for now, but for moving forward, because there were legitimate questions about whether Brad Stevens was a good offensive coach. After last year's team, with as much talent as it had, finished 10 in offense, that was a total failure, like total failure. And I think this year's team finishing third, finishing above the Rockets, is just a, a major league development for them. And with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as young as they are, with Kemba still youngish, with Gordon Hayward still youngish, that group should score a lot of points for a long time. And obviously Hayward's contract situation could throw a wrench into that. But the Celtics are built to be really, really good offensively. And Brad Stevens has always, always, always coached good defenses. It doesn't matter what type of roster he has. Jared Sullinger, Tyler Zeller at bigs, doesn't matter. Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor at bigs, doesn't matter. Uh, he's just always, always had good defenses. Do you think that the, the offense th – This is. I feel like this is the offense that Brad Stevens has always wanted. And the, we talk about, okay, he is it though? Whether, is it though? It feels like they ran a lot more individual, like pick and roll, kind of relying on one on one scoring this year. It's not the egalitarian read and react. I think they maybe they just got way better at it, but it feels like there's a lot more isolation this year. Now, how many games have they had with close to thirty assists though? I mean, they they've moved the ball pretty well this year. Um, I, I I still think that. At their best, they are running the same the type of offense that that he wants the drive and kick, uh, multiple attack stuff. There's there's both in this offense that, and and I think it's important the the point about not having good health, the fact that one guy seemed like every game one guy was missing. I will say that was almost helpful because they didn't have to go through all of the sharing. But they let each each individual guy. So if Kemba was out, Smart came in, and 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 he didn't take up too much of the offense. But these guys would go out and and have their individual moments. But then they would still have to because they were down a guy, still share the ball. So I think within games they were doing both things. And so now when you put all of these guys together, they're capable of doing both things. I think we saw against the Raptors in that Raptors game, the drive, the kick, the, the move, the ball movement. We saw how many games here with 28, 29, 30 assists in the bubble. I mean, that, that ball movement is, is really, uh, that that's what he's looking for. Um, and, and maybe it took some of that individual stuff. Maybe it took Jason Tatum becoming the, the player that he is so he can be double teamed so he can learn how to give up the ball but I think we're, right now where we're at, this is the type of offense that 
that Brad Stevens has wanted. By the and way, what, I, I have to interject. Val Venus was given the gimmick of an adult movie star named Val Venus. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to me for remembering Val Venus. That's impressive. That's shout out to I Val feel Venus. Like Vincent Poirier could play that role. I think Definitely. Vincent Poirier might be more effective as a WWE wrestler than a uh, NBA big man because he has not done great. How much of the Celtics benefit from the fact that their bench is just not good? Like that they had to rely on their top six guys because, you know what, Carson Edwards wasn't giving them anything. Uh, like Grant Williams had some moments, but Shemi Ojale had was like didn't really do anything. They basically had to rely – on the top six guys, whereas last year they had a pretty formidable bench with Terry Rozier, or at least guys who thought they were a formidable bench with Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris and guys who thought they needed shots. But here there was like much more of a hierarchy of like, and Brad said it from the very beginning of the season, like we have our five best guys, we know who they are. And just like, if you're on the bench, you don't deserve shots. Just like know your role. Like how much do you bet? Do they benefit from that hierarchy? I feel like it made things less complicated. I feel like it, it made things less complicated. Like last year's puzzle was really, really complex to figure out. Whereas this year it's like, all right, we got we got five dudes we know what we're going to get from. We got five dudes we know we're going to run all our offense through. And hopefully Daniel Tyser and his Cantor can give us something. But if they don't, we're fucked. Um, and then, you know, we'll we'll throw in some low usage guys and they'll hopefully play a little bit of defense. And that's that's kind of how they've been built from the start. So I think it was just less complicated. I'm not sure it helped um, from a standpoint of like the ceiling for the team, but for the floor, it was a lot easier to just roll roll those five guys out there and run everything through them than it was to like incorporate Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris and all the guys that that needed the ball and wanted the ball and thought they deserved the ball. So one thing like based off of that concept with just the starters playing, people talk so much about Jalen Brown's improvement and Jason Tatum's improvement. And I had Jason Tatum second for MIP this year. He obviously got a million times better and Jalen Brown got a million times better, but those guys are both awesome. But I think just as important as those guys getting a lot better is that those guys, as they are getting better are playing better together. Like we've seen young cores go the opposite direction of that, right? Like this guy got better and this guy got better and they're more talented and they are more skilled and they are older and they're more mature and all those things. But now because they're both all-star level good, they're not playing as well together because they just, whether it's a personality thing or whether it's just a skill set thing, now their skill sets have diverged and they're not as perfect of a match as maybe they could be. Whatever the reason, we've seen it go the other direction. They play well together. Like Jalen, Jalen is clearly good with being a number two. And he's clearly good from a skill set perspective, being a number two with the way that he's improved as a shooter and all those things. And defensively, obviously, those guys are just an unbelievable struggle to go up against on the wings. And so I think the fact that especially those two specifically have evolved together is so big. What their starting lineup is like their their optimal lineup is what? Like a it's it's got really good metrics. It's something like a plus 11, 12 net rating or something like that. Like there's a reason for that. Like those guys are playing really well together and those young pieces fit incredibly well. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't go that way. That's not the case, but like there's a world in which it doesn't go as seamlessly as it did. I think part of that is like, there, there has to be some like self-realization of like, who am I? How, wh- how is this working? You heard, I think it was Jalen. I think Jalen 
was the one who said, like, it's like fire and ice. We just kind of work together. He said that earlier this year. Jalen Brown fire is fire and ice don't work together, by the way. But right. It oh, just makes water. Ice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Doesn't even make water. Makes makes air. Makes water <laughs> vapor. That's your that's your physics you, lesson. You need air to live. It actually <laughs> destroys both of the things. Fire and ice destroy yeah. each other. Water, water work put, yeah. Water puts out fire and Hold fire. On. Water and fire just make water. No, <laughs> Maybe no, because it if that water if you throw is water on fire. If you, you throw ever boil water some water, Jay. Fire, yeah. You throw water on fire, the fire is gone. But you put fire, you fire under on water. water. You throw fire on water. What's the water? You, you put fire underwater, this it's is, gonna boil and go away. So it this just is high quality fire and ice discussion. They go together terribly. So they're not like fire and ice, they're like uh they're like they're like fire and wood. Thunder and lightning. I don't know, whatever, but he said fire and ice. That's what he they're, said. You That's know what, what they're like? With. You know what they're like? They're like fire and fire. <laughs> fire and a different fire it's on Jalen Brown buckets come from Jason Tatum. So they um they definitely work well together and they've they've worked even better together since Tatum has gotten better. I think I think they feed each other because if you decide I'm going to leave Jalen Brown to double Jason Tatum, well then Jason Tatum has gotten a lot better at finding Jalen, finding other guys. And if Jalen's going to get that catch and shoot, then he's going to hit that at a high enough percentage where you say, I can't, I can't leave him because it's, it's going to be, it's going to cost us. And so that if, if you're a step slow leaving Jalen Brown, that just leaves that extra slice of the lane for, for Tatum to go drive through. I think those two things, uh, those two guys playing together so well, is is a huge reason. I really honestly, though, think one of the biggest reasons is Kemba Walker and his attitude. And my my honestly, one of my favorite moments came from might have been the first or second home game of the season where Kemba was cooking early. I forget who it was against. Kemba was cooking, and Jalen came down and took a very quick shot. And it was like everybody in the building knew, like, uh, you should have probably worked this around and got it back to Kemba. And actually, no, this was in the fourth quarter, too. And Jalen comes back. They're, they're, the other team's shooting a free throw. And he kind of looks over at, at Kemba's like, my bad. I'm sorry. And Kemba's like, don't worry about it. Just play. No, Like, on the court, very demonstrative. Kyrie would have done the same thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's trauma like, of relationships past. Right. And that's so Kemba was like, don't worry. That was a good shot after the game. He's like, that was a good shot. That's a jumper that we want him to take. Very encouraging, and I think that kind of uplifting, and that's just like one moment. He's Kemba's been very, very positive, and at, at every turn has said, "This is Jalen and Jason's team. This, those two guys are special. Those two guys are the future stars." I think Kemba. I compare Kemba in attitude toward a, a lot like KG and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce in 2008, where they've gone through their careers, they've tried like hell to lead teams, and it hasn't worked. So now he's coming to the Celtics with this attitude of like, whatever I've got to do, and if I've got to defer to these two guys to help build them up and have those two be the main guys, that's fine. And we saw it in the uh, Orlando game where Kemba was one for seven and Jason had the, had Markel Fultz on, on the right block and he kind of gave the ball up and Kemba was like, nope, you're getting this right back and you're hitting this game-tying shot to get us to overtime. 
that that is huge, I think, for the development of a young star who's in the third year of his rookie contract. And the Brad's contract extension kind of brought me back to everything that happened last year. And I think if another year had gone on like last year, like Brad, I, I don't know if the Celtics would have considered leave, getting rid of Brad, but I think Brad would have considered leaving because last year was so hard on Brad. Like he was so damn fed up with everything <laughs> by the end of the year. And it was, it was, I thought perfect when he came back this year and every time he was asked, what did you learn from last year? And he's like, everything I ever thought about basketball was true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like basically we need to play together. We need to have a good spirit and we need to stop being assholes. And if we do that, we're going to be fine. And they have. And I think Kemba has been a big part of that. I think Gordon Hayward doesn't get talked about as much as Kemba just because Kemba's the new guy, but he's willing to take a step back too. And that's really, really important. And Gordon Hayward always makes the right play. Gordon Hayward. I mean, he had a really, really good season and he'll never get any of the hype because Jalen and Jason are younger. Jalen and Jason are better <laughs> or at least more, more productive scoring wise. And like Hayward has been really, really solid for them in as really a, a fourth option when, when their starting lineup is together. Is, is Gordon Hayward the – what's shocking about Gordon Hayward is is he like the least – hyped in either direction max player in the league like even if you're on a max deal you're either hyped up as a big star he probably star, is because if he was any worse complain, people would hate on him right or people complain about like how is this dude on a max deal that's a terrible contract and you just never hear either thing about gordon i mean when he was hurt you're at oh no it's not gonna be a good deal and then he comes out and he had a great year this year um and now you just don't hear anything about, and it's weird because he plays for a really good team and he plays for the Boston freaking Celtics. And I just feel like he's the one max guy in the league who you just don't hear anything about in either direction. Yeah. Yeah. Because the storylines have emerged around him that th think about of the most important developments this year. You probably would rank Gordon Hayward, what fourth, fifth, something like that, because I, I think Jason Tatum's emergence is one. Jalen Brown's emergence is another. The Kemba thing that I just talked about is another. I think Daniel Tice being good is maybe the most important thing because if he wasn't good, then the, the Celtics would be stuck with starting Ennis Cantor or trying to make Rob Williams work. Like, that's a huge, huge thing for the Celtics. And to Jay's point, Hayward just does – all of the right things. And unless you're in our little bubble where you see people on Twitter kind of complain a little bit when he has like a bad shooting night, or if he, if he's hit three shots in a row and then he kind of passes a couple of times when people think he should have shot, then there's those complaints. But in general, the Gordon Hayward's kind of resurgence hasn't even been a big storyline. Not until now, actually, I think the bubble bubble Hayward uh, stash Gordon has been like that's this is the first that Gordon has really been a a huge positive storyline. Well, he's I mean, he's, he's been amazing moments. this year, but he's had some moments with all the injuries where I'm remembering specifically that trip 
um, well, it was like a Pelicans, the Heat, and the Orlando, where there's a couple guys out, and they definitely like needed Gordon Hayward to step up and be like the dominant force in terms of either being playmaker or scoring, and he just kind of had the ability to do that. And then you would ask him about it after the game. It's like, so Gordon, what's it like to score points again? And he'd be like, buddy, I'm a max player. Like, fuck off. <laughs> um, but he definitely just uh, like, remember, was I'm able to this. He would get so frustrated when people were like, Gordon, what's it like to be good at basketball again? But he's just been very willing to take a step back and have like a more limited role. And I think that's been important for the team. Uh, as Jay was talking about, like going back to last year, the like one of the things I remember the most about last year is after the Celtics got bounced by the Bucks, the first thing Brad Stevens said was like, you got to handle the Bucks. They have championship habits. And it was basically like throwing his team under the bus and saying like, we do not have any championship habits. We do not do anything right. We have nothing These to like, motherfuckers rely didn't on. Do anything I asked of them. We have, we have not deposited anything in like the bank of trust or like anything to like draw upon when times are tough. And so the question is, do the Celtics do they have uh, championship habits right now? I got to ask you, where did you get the deposit into the bank of trust line? I don't know. I love that though. It's, I want a bank of trust T-shirt. That was a good line. It's a th- it's a theory coming from like police legitimacy and whether or not they've like uh, had enough uh, positive so interactions with the community when there's a crisis that they have enough uh, like positive relations in the community people come back. But sorry for getting. Uh, I, feel like oh, I, I feel that. like I feel like basketball coaches story. should steal that. That that is a great. That is great a very story. basketball coachy thing. Yeah, yeah. deposit That's, into the like, bank of like, trust. Like I could see like Monty Williams talking about that. Oh, I can hear Brad Stevens talking. That's a total yeah, Brad Stevens. Absolutely, like Brad, Marcus Smart makes an extra so, pass, and Brad Stevens was like, "Just another right deposit now. into the bank of trust." <laughs> but I, we, I lost Where is the level for the Celtics? Do they have Do they have championship habits at this point? Is they oh, Do they right. have sufficient funds? <laughs> yes. Well, Where I, is I the level more about the bank of trust? I, I, I think about we can if you want, Brad. Hey, yo, fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Let me tell you, boys, you need to look good. You need to be Manscaped. And Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. That perfect package kit comes with the essential lawnmower, which is waterproof, a cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formations, formations, formulations. Wow. They got formations and formulations at Manscaped to round out your routine. It's the best trimmer on the market. If you need a chest shave and it has skin safe technology to reduce incidents and accidents, which we do not want. And so you can adjust settings. You can use the crop cleanser um, to keep your hair and skin healthy. It's an all-in-one formula. And you'll have all of this in the Manscaped uh, 3.0 package. So right now, if you want to get 20% off and free shipping, you can use the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. A shed travel bag, which is a $39 value. And, and folks, not or, the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. These are free gifts, folks. You just don't 
come across this every day. So if you want to do that, go to manscaped.com today and use promo code THEATHLETIC. Get Manscaped for the summer. Look good. No, I, I think the tellers at the Bank of Trust have gotten enough deposits from the Celtics this year that these they're getting a very good interest rate on that trust. It's a great return. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I would say they've built championship habits. I mean, they're like like Fred said, they're a top five offense and defense. That's that's a hell of a championship habit to have. And and I think I, I've I've said this before. You you know a coach has his team when he says something and then all those other guys come out in these media availabilities and are parroting the phrases and the terminology that 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 he says. And the, I, I think the Celtics definitely have that. Those guys hear what Brad is saying. They are repeating what Brad is saying. They they're on message. They're on point. I think they're all they they like each other. They've they, they're clearly they clearly like playing together. So those are the championship habits, being together, playing together, connected basketball. No one, no one is going off on these tangents that we saw last year that. Are you saying basketball wise or like with saying ridiculous quotes in the media when you're talking about weird tangents? I was going to say basketball. I was going to say basketball wise, but uh, yeah, the, uh, but no one's going on these wild tangents on the court that, that other guys on the floor going like, Oh, come on. You know, like Terry Rozier, I think got pissed off plenty of times. A lot of guys last year got pissed off. And this goes back to the earlier thing about the hierarchy because of the hierarchy, people know what they can do, what they can't do. And I think the, the fact that these guys aren't going off on these, you know, big individual forays and leaving other guys out in the dust uh, that that's part of building a championship habit. So I have a question. You guys have kind of talked around it a little bit and I can read into stuff, but, but specifically like John and Jay, you're around this team. Like I read your guys stuff and I watch the Celtics Thanks, on TV, bro. but I read Corrales' stuff and I watch the Celtics on TV, but, but you guys are around, <laughs> Thanks, you bro. guys are around the team. And, and I, I want to know, like, Last year, there were no championship habits. This year, there are championship habits. Is it just Kyrie's not there and now everything is fine? Is it maturity? Is it Kemba is there? I'm sure it's a mix of many things. Like, what specifically do you – because that's a that's a vast change from last year, right? It, yeah, absolutely a vast change. I think last year was like the toughest group of factors you could ever imagine. It was Gordon Hayward was broken, and they were still trying to play him big minutes because they needed him. Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum had all had huge playoffs the year before, and then were coming back into smaller roles because Kyrie and Gordon Hayward were both back. It was guys were playing for contracts. Guys wanted to be all-stars. Kyrie was coming back into the mix, and he thought they were going to be championship a championship team and then he realized, shit, maybe we're not as good as I thought. I'm going to throw all the young guys under the bus. And then it just, from there, just spiraled. And I think Kyrie could have been a galvanizing force for them, and he just wasn't. He was the opposite of that. So I think Kyrie fed into it when he could have changed it, but it wasn't at all just him. It was so many things that went wrong, and it all went wrong at once, and – 
it was just like kaboom. There's- so we solved it this year. Like what? Why wasn't there carryover? If there was, if there's still so many similar people, and it wasn't just Kyrie, like why? I, I don't. You might not know I the think- answer, but I'm just I'm no, curious. I think, no, I think first of all, I think Jay was right on point with a lot of these things. Uh, I'll throw in there that that the the point that I was making a lot last season was the second surgery for Gordon Hayward that cost him all of last summer's rehab and that the summer prior to last season. And so his first five on five basketball was in that preseason. So because of Hayward's just trying to work him back, he kind of sucked early. And some (laughs) of these guys were like, well, he sucks. I should be playing, but the Celtics only chance, only chance at being a, a good playoff team and making a deep playoff run was getting Hayward to be right. So if you if you didn't play him, then he wouldn't get right. So they needed to play him. So all of the stuff that Jay said, think about what what hasn't what's changed. Okay, yeah, at the top you say Kyrie becomes Kemba, and Kemba, like I said before, is really uplifting guys and is willing to take a step back. Gordon Hayward isn't going through rehab anymore. Gordon Hayward is Gordon Hayward again, and and now he's more Gordon Hayward than ever. Uh, guys have matured. Guys have learned lessons from last year. Tatum and Brown have gotten better. They've learned lessons. Jalen Brown has made a spectacular leap forward in his ability to play off of other other people and has, is becoming a borderline all-star and, and very well could be an all-star just playing in the wake of Kemba and Gordon and Jason. And Jason Tatum has become this potentially all-NBA player. I don't think anybody would be surprised if he made third-team all-NBA. Maybe even second team all NBA. I put him uh, second on my ballot. Yeah. So like that's that that's a, a progression that's really important. And on on top of all that stuff, you've got what Jay mentioned earlier, the the Brad Stevens. All of the things I knew about basketball were true. And so Brad comes in with a, a, a an enhanced message and the 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 hammer of remember what happened last year when we didn't do this. So there are a lot of things that have changed. Terry Rozier is gone. Terry Rozier, I think, was a huge problem last season. Um, and, and they don't have, like, Marcus Morris, who was one of those guys that would just take a bunch of shots because he was – there were, like, six guys who were equally good, and now that's changed. So a lot of these factors have all changed, and the, the steps forward that people have made have been so significant that, that they, they've completely shaken – last season as the uh Celtics this is why fan I, mean, representative. I just want to say oh go ahead no i wanted to throw in this is why i read corrales and not jay that's just <laughs> oh yeah jay yeah. well as the as the Celtics Sorry, fan interrupt. representative on this podcast you know don't worry interrupting something go fuck yourself fred podcast. <laughs> i'm basically just trying to throw Kyrie under the bus i mean like the locker room Oh, did we lose oh, Jam? We lost. We lost Packard. Oh, wow! We lost Packard. What a answer. shame! We lost him at this at this point. Yeah, <laughs> let's get on his soapbox. He was he was really he was lining up to get on a big one, a big diatribe. I think another mm-hmm. thing too that goes back to last season is that the Celtics, at their best, they're their best because their wings are more athletic than yours. They're more skilled than yours, and they're more versatile than yours. And that's Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, 
and Jason Tatum. When they struggled so hard last year, they had to bring Hayward off the bench. They had to bring Jalen Brown off the bench. They moved Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris into the starting lineup. And you lose a lot of of run-and-jump athleticism when you have to do that. And I think I think this year their speed is better. Oh, we, we lost Packard again. We're, we're, we're on tripod now. now. Gone. Um, they – I lost my I lost my train of thought because – You were bringing James we Brown and, and Packard, but yeah. off the bench. Yeah, and, and so losing that athleticism is huge. And I know why Brad stuck with that because when he initially made that change, they won a lot of games. But to fully realize the potential of the group, you have to have Hayward, Brown, and Tatum being really good and really tough to stop on both ends. And that's what they've been this season. And because of a number of factors, they just weren't that last year. I think that trio I'm back, being baby. As, being as versatile <laughs> and as good as they are, like there are so few teams that have six, seven, six, eight wings and three of them that can all dribble, pass, and shoot. Past border kind of ridiculous for, for a couple of them, but but still, yeah, it's it's insane, and it's because they had the number three pick two years in a row. It's because they signed Gordon Hayward to a max contract, but they have like more versatile wings than just about anybody in the league, and and that's beyond Kemba. What what separates them from everybody else? I was trying to talk about how Kyrie sucks. And about how he poisoned the locker room. And some reason my internet crapped out on me right in that moment. But um, yes, the versatile rings are a good point. But my I think my point was just like this locker room is noticeably different than last year's locker room. And like these the guys seem to like genuinely enjoy each other's presence and like enjoy playing together. It's probably a product of all of the things we talked about, the improvement, but not having the superstar who's just moody, uh and like kind of just making it not fun to show up to work, I think is a uh, probably a benefit. But I'll never forget the moment where Kyrie was in his locker and it was a national TV game. So the ESPN camera was doing that thing, you know, the guy's tying his shoes and the camera's in there. And at this point, PJ Dozier was up and he didn't have the locker because there were too many guys. They didn't, they didn't have enough lockers. So PJ Dozier was sitting on a folding chair in the middle of the locker room and this the, the ESPN camera goes in, starts shooting Kyrie, and he just looks at the camera. He's like, please don't do that. I hate I hate that. So the person was like, um, really? He's like, yeah, don't. He don't didn't do say, that. please don't do that. There was no <laughs> please. I can he, he, Right. He, whatever he said. He's like, don't don't do that. Don't I, I don't like it. So the person left and then like a couple seconds pass and PJ Dozier looks at Kyrie and was like, you're crazy for that, man. Like he was just like, <laughs> and Kyrie got up and was going into the, to get treatment. And he was like, what? I don't like it. And PJ Dozier was just like laughing at him and calling him out. Like that's, that's wild. That's crazy. Um, but that, that's, that's indicative. That, that kind of goes to what you're saying, Jim, that, that this is like, there, there was certainly a, a heavy dose of Kyrie influence leaving that, that helped this team this year. But it is absolutely true that there are many other factors involved. Kyrie kept, gets the brunt of it because Kyrie's the one that was at that open practice and said, I'll be back if you guys will have me. And then he's the one that was seen in the, the tunnel at the all-star game, talking to Kyrie and leaving the whole thing like up for a debate. And then at Madison square garden, like a week later, not putting that, that 
to rest. And so, so much of this falls on Kyrie because he was the very public face of the problems. And it didn't help that he had three of the worst playoff games of his life, including switching onto Giannis for some reason in the closeout game and getting destroyed by Giannis. Um, seeming only almost purposefully being like, I got this. Whoops. And Giannis is dunking like that. That that's why Kyrie takes the brunt of all of this, but it, it's not just him. The, so the only thing that didn't go right for the Celtics this season is that they didn't have one of their like bench young guys. It really emerge as like a definite piece. And I think Robert Williams may be becoming that, but between Carson Edwards, Romeo Lankford, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, none of them truly, truly took that step to like, okay, the Celtics can definitely rely on this guy for a long time. Who are you guys most high on out of that group, and how many of those guys do you think will stick as rotation pieces? Jam, I'll start with you. Ooh, Jay, taking over the host responsibilities. Out of the young pieces, Sorry I for think cutting we, you off, Corrales. I didn't mean to do that. No, long, long term, long-term Romeo, uh, and we haven't talked about him like apparently spraining his wrist, but I think he has the potential to be – he has the highest ceiling of everyone. If you had to bet on one person, I think the, the surest bet is Grant Williams is going to be a rotation big man um, just in this league for like 10 to 12 years. I was what did you include Time Lord in there is, is part of like the young guys? Yep. Time Lord is good now. I think I like <laughs> he has the most, I think, utility or for like this roster because they have so many wings that they need someone at a big position to be good. And so I think Romeo's like somewhat redundant. I don't I know that like Brad wants as many versatile guys as possible. Um, but if Robert Williams can learn like to be in the if you can learn anything from Kelly Olynyk in order to be in the right position on defense, then I think that's gangbusters for the Celtics just because, like, with their many talented wings, like, if they just have any sort of rim protection, then they don't have to play this crazy scrambling style of defense. Then they can, like, play a more traditional defense if they have rim protection. They have that defense now because Daniel Tice is, like, six foot, what, nine at best? And is, six, eight. And you know so who's like, also six eight, Robert Williams. But he Fun can jump sport. like he's seven five. Like he's got the wingspan. Do seven five people jump high? They jump higher than six eight people. I don't know. I'm just talking at this point. <laughs> Noted high flyer that's taco a, fall. That's a great a great concept. Like that's a that's a great clearly false concept. If people <laughs> people people who are taller also jump higher. Yeah. If that were the case, man. That's why all those tall guys win the dunk contests. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, or, all right. Am I I'm picking you? Yeah, Fred, oh, yeah. We, we want the outsider's perspective. We're going to have from, Fred From do former that. Celtics oh. beat writing legend, Fred Katz. <laughs> well, I'm Mass I'm, life predecessor, following I, in your footsteps. I like Grant Williams. Um, Ooh. Said I'm, with a high pitch that, that is always followed by a bump. Yeah, I like, I like question mark. I like Grant Williams. No, no, I like I, I like I like Grant Williams. I do. Uh, I don't love him though. Yeah, I I I think he's I think he'll, he's going to be like a, a a backup rotation player, but like helpful. I I think I think Time Lord could be a little better than that if he figures it out and becomes a little more refined. Like I just I I 
I really think he could be a difference maker with his athleticism and the way that he potentially could defend the rim. So I, I don't think he's ever going to be like the guy you want on the floor for 31 minutes and, and, and is, you know, playing that sort of consequential defense against every single team, no matter what. And he's anchoring a top 10 defense. Cause you have him out there, but I, I think he could be a really, really, really helpful. Like Norland's Noel type where it's just, he's, he's a really, really helpful athletic backup center. Who's going to be unbelievably efficient because he dunks everything and who is going to be scary enough at dunking everything to where he can actually have some gravity when he rolls at the rim. And I think he was better defensively this year than he was last year. I thought he, he showed improvement and discipline and uh, I like him. I think he's, I think he's going to be a good player. He's a player I'd, I'd like to have on my team. He's All like right, the equivalent of a guy coming out of the bullpen that can throw 101 miles an hour. Ooh, like uh, that, that John is a great Rocker analogy. Eric Gagne. Well, John Eric Rocker, Gagne was Rocker like a Cy like Young a scumbag. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not. I'd, I'd rather not have that racist. Ass, you, know uh, you know what, Jay? I'm going to go ahead and say, <laughs> understanding the evolution of the average person's personality, I'm going to say John Rocker probably is still a racist scumbag. I don't think we need to use past tense on that. Right. I think there's a pretty good chance he might still be a racist. I guy. cannot confirm nor deny John Rocker's current personality, but I would have preferred Packard to use a different Armando Benitez. Closer. Armando Benitez, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Armando Benitez was a hothead, also. He was. I don't know why. I, I just pulled He's out that. Throw it, guys. Also, why are you only using pitchers who pitched 20 years ago? Ugeth Urbina? You know, baseball still exists. <laughs> I stopped paying attention to baseball in around 2007 uh, because, you know, I uh, have ADD and can't pay attention that long. But we have digressed too far. We are, we've started the conversation looking forward about Celtics players. So we are going to take a pause right here. This is the end of Anything is Potable. Thank you for so listening. Uh, please subscribe, five stars, all of those things. Uh, and uh, Jay. <laughs> Jay's got the guns out. You know, people are excited to see it. Jesus people are very excited Christ. about my guns. People are very excited about anything is potable moving forward, and you should be too. So please subscribe and rate us five stars. And thank you to listening to this episode of Who Else Is Going to Scream It With Me? Anyone? Anyone? Anything is potable! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, we forgot to shout out your book on our podcast. <laughs> We did forget to shout out. That Michael. was the whole we reason mean, we brought you on the podcast. We wanted to I'm shout have out to come back on the no podcast. No one told me that was the reason John was on the podcast. I thought we were just to hanging out. No, yeah. Jay, I want I'm the I host wanted, of that podcast. You have to tell me these things if we need to get a shout out in. <laughs> I wanted to promote film. his book. This is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to come back now to promote my book. Oh no, we we will just cut out this portion of the audio no, and, and no, stick this, it on the end the of the podcast. podcast. This is on the Locked On Celtics podcast. But we're sticking it on the end of our my podcast too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, a lot of work for me to kind of edit those two things. Yeah, yeah see, Jam doesn't want to do that work. <laughs> it's so much easier for me to come back on an off day and promote my book. What book is that? When does it come out? Where can you buy it? <laughs> Well, I'm glad you asked, Sam Packard. Pause for edit. <laughs> it's the it's the uh, Boston Celtics all-time all-stars, the best players at each position for the Cs. It is I pick a 12-man roster, two players at each position. So I have a debate at 
point guard, all, all, all five positions. I name one player a starter, the other player is the backup. I've got two wild cards to make out the 12-man roster, and I get the same thing for the coaches. So I have a head coach and an assistant coach, and then I have uh, a section where I put guys that I wish I could vote for that aren't really all-stars, but I felt like I should mention a few of them because I would love to have them on that team. If so. Marcus Smart's not a wild card, I might have to burn that book. <laughs> no spoilers though don't tell me no spoilers no spoilers but it's available everywhere books are sold for pre-order amazon barnes and noble independent booksellers just search for boston celtics all-time all-stars or search for my name and it will come up so everybody buy my book pre-order the book it drops in december and yeah it's fucking it. awesome you wrote a book it is it's extraordinarily great <laughs> i i hated the entire process of it it was a lot of work but um, the fact that I did it is, I mean, I'm glad that I can say that I wrote a book. That's, that's wild. But, published author John Corrales. You right. can say that for the rest of your life. I can say that. I can hold up a book and be like, I wrote this thing. You were number one best-selling author John Corrales. For like a week. You put on Twitter. Uh, for, for, so I was the number one new basketball book on, on Amazon for like four days. And then someone else dropped the basketball four, book. Four more days than me and Jay. <laughs> I got it. I got that screenshot. Like I joked on Twitter, I'm like the Jordan Crawford of authors where I've got like my, my player of the week and I got my screenshot where it says number one new book and that's it. I'm happy and whatever. Uh, but I hope people buy it and I hope it ends up, you know, doing okay. And it, like I said, it's going to come out in December. So hopefully right well, around the beginning of next season. Um, I'm you kidding, have to I'm buy kidding. it. You I'm have kidding. to buy it because that's hey. If you buy that book, that's twelve cents in my pocket, baby. Ooh, twelve, cents, much money I get twelve cents for every copy. Twelve, 12 cents per book. Yeah. Uh, so buy ten copies, please. <laughs> can I just Venmo you twelve cents? You and you can give me the book. <laughs> you can. You, well, I mean, yeah, you can Venmo. Yeah, I'll give you a free book if you Venmo me twelve cents. Sounds like a deal. I don't want to give money to those goddamn corporations. Right, right. Give me a case of free books. Uh, I'll dole them out for 12 cents a piece. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, Everybody buy my book. Subscribe to me. Subscribe to Lockdown Celtics. Subscribe to Anything is Potable. Go ahead. Give these two jerks a follow. 